We're going to stand together for the reading of God's word from Ephesians 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how high, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Do you want this? Good morning. Peace be with you. Am I on? Yep, I think so. Um, let's pray first before we get started. Father, we um, thank you for the chance to gather as your body once more this morning. Um, we pray that you would open our hearts to the love that you already have provided to us, that, um, that you invite us to receive. Um, we pray for stilled souls and minds and our hearts and ears as we as we seek to continue to engage in worship may this be part of the liturgy be um, just one piece of of the movement that you were doing this morning and throughout throughout our lives continuously as you invite us constantly into deeper life with you and so we pray for your blessing on this morning and um, and on the hearts hearts that are here right now amen Excellent. Well, um, back in the summer of 2013, um, I found myself living in Louisville uh, in a house full of single guys uh, that I had never met. Um, there were probably, I don't know, between four and seven of them at any given time. Uh, it was a weird place, too. The landlord, he lived in the mother-in-law suite um, in the house. Um, his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, would show up periodically throughout the week unannounced to clean the leaking 300-gallon fish tank in the middle of the living room. Um, it was a very weird place. The dishes were stacked so high in the, in the, in the sink that you couldn't use the faucet or the sink. I, had, I don't know when the last time they were washed. Um, so to, for cooking, I would, um, for dinner, I would cook myself frozen hot dogs in the toaster oven and every night and um, get my intake of veg vegetables by eating chips and salsa. Um, most of my clothes were in trash bags. Uh, I had a mattress on the floor in the corner of the room at the top of the house with no air conditioning during a hot summer. Um, it was everything you would expect maybe from a house of bros, except for any of the kind of sitcom, feel good, feel good, like redeeming qualities. None of that was there. It was just WWF and ESPN every night on the TV in the living room. Um, never watched it, but I hear they had a good time. But after a period of time, uh, not knowing any other better way that I could have lived, fortunately, Allison swooped in and married me. Um, we got a new place. The walls actually were decorated. There were way more pillows in the house, like so many pillows. Where did they all come from? I don't know. Um, my plastic furniture, it went in the trash. We got a real bed that is more than four inches off the floor. Uh, we got dishes and a vacuum. It was, it was definitely a new life for me. And the new relationship that I had with my wife, it transformed my home life. 
And as you might expect, it also transformed my emotional and spiritual life as well, or began to because of the relationship and the love that we had for one another. Um, today, we're, we're, we're taking time. Um, we're between series. We just finished our Questioning Christianity series, and we'll be moving into Advent next week. Uh, but we're going to take a moment to look at Ephesians 3 and look at how our relationship with God transforms our inner lives. Uh, We pick up Ephesians 3, right in the middle of the book that Lauren read for us. Uh, Paul has just written three jam-packed chapters in Ephesians 3 about the truth about who God is, uh, the truths about who we are in Christ, and and the truths of the gospel. And he's about to write three chapters on the outer life, which is our words, our actions, our specific circumstances, the things that we live out our faith in. But sandwiched right in the middle between these these great truths and these practical applications is this beautiful prayer. And it's about the inner life of a Christian and the dynamic personal life uh, and personal relationship that we can have with God. The prayer shows us that a deep inner life with God brings together what we believe and what we do. It's the cornerstone, it's at least a cornerstone of the Christian experience. Um, it's the, the inner life, you might say, is the foundation that bridges the conceptual and the material. You can think of it as, as your hidden thoughts, your desires, uh, your feelings, your inner dialogue. It's the, the things that are only fully known to you and God himself, but we know that they drive the actions of our outer life. And so Paul prays this morning for us that we would experience how God is constantly inviting us into lives of prayer, love, and power, so we can experience him more fully in our inner lives. He's inviting us, uh, Paul prays that we would experience God, how God is constantly inviting us into lives of prayer, love, and power, so we can experience him more fully in our inner lives. So one of the first things we see in this passage is Paul's model of prayer. Um, Think about the last couple of times that you prayed. How much of your prayers are focused on stuff or situations? Asking God for things, uh, thanking God for things, uh, maybe asking God for for direction about a specific situation. And and the Bible encourages us to pray about these things, about the material things and situations um, in our lives. But I have found um, so often that these things dominate my life and my prayer life in a curious way. It's interesting, earlier in the passage, Paul has just told us um, part of his personal story, uh, has described some of the sufferings, immense sufferings that he's been through. And then as he breaks into this prayer, he doesn't pray for anything material or situational, um, for the, the Ephesians or even for himself. Instead, he prays for their inner lives, the life of the soul having deep fellowship with God. Um, the, the type of prayer and the things Paul prays for in this passage that he models for us is, is one that focuses on the inner life and the connection that we have with God, um, God the Father through the Holy Spirit. And he has this boldness to pray that we would be deeply and intimately connected to God who loves us more perfectly and more fully than we could ever imagine. And T. Wright, who has written a number of books in, on Paul and on the New Testament, says this about the relationship between prayer, love, and power in this passage. Prayer brings together love and power. The relation of love that grows up between God and the person who prays and the flowing of power from God to and especially through that person. It's the relation that grows up between God and the person who prays and the flowing of power from God to and especially through that person. 
And so what kind of power is Paul talking about here? It's interesting, the church in America for decades, I think, has been warning about the rise of secularism in our culture. Um, they point to things, um, boogeymen like evolution, science, rock and roll, uh, computers, social media, the like. Um, and I think the church assumed that one day we would find ourselves in a culture that's so re- self-reliant, so focused on the material, so, um, so not in need of God and spirituality that the message of Christianity would be, uh, would be null and void. But look around. I agree, we do live in a post-Christian world, but spirituality itself is alive and well around us, right? People believe in the existence of a God. Um, that fear that there would be no, exi- no need for spirituality has not come to fruition. Um, they, people believed maybe in an, believe in maybe in an unexplained moving power in the universe or even just the power of positive thinking. Uh, a, a candidate for the U.S. presidency tweeted just a few months ago um, suggesting that, that we could change the path of a hurricane coming to the southeast part of the United States with the power of positive thinking, meditation, and visualization. Um, The idea of spirituality is alive and well in our culture. Um, But when I see the way the world is grasping for that life of spiritual fulfillment, I can't help but notice that they are missing the relational part of life with God. They, they, They see that there is a need for the spiritual, but they lack we lack, even in the church, sometimes uh, because of this, um, a need for the relational. Jesus would say that this would be the difference between building your life on, or building your house on the sand that washes away versus building your house on the rock that is stable and firm. There's a movie called Fever Pitch uh, starring Jimmy Fallon, where he struggles between his love for the Boston Red Sox and Drew Barrymore. Um, Fallon, who's a school teacher in the movie, mostly so he can go to as many Boston Red Sox games during the summer without missing work, confides in one of his middle school students about the choice that he has to make between the woman he loves and the game that he loves. And the kid says, well, Jimmy, you may love the Red Sox, but have the Red Sox ever loved you back? And the kid's on to something there, right? Fallon's character worshipped a team, worshiped a game that could never love him back. It was one way. It was passive. And the type of spirituality so many in our world fall in today is that sort of passive, passive, um, optimistic feel-goodism, if you will, of something outside of yourself that may have somewhat of a positive impact on your life if you channel it correctly. But listen to the life that's offered to us. Paul says in the passage, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you through his spirit in your inner being, and that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We have a personal relationship with the living God available to us, one in which we experience the love of Christ himself in our inner lives, uh, where God actively hears our prayers. He desires to know and to be known by us. It's a two-way street. He invites us to experience the depth of his love in a prayerful life with Christ. Uh, While the world has a passive optimism, feel-good spirituality, we have a dynamic personal relationship with the God of the universe available to us. Um, and the foundation of a thriving relationship with God, if, if we enter into it through prayer, it, the foundation of it is love. Uh, Paul prays that we would be rooted and established in love in order that we might experience the fullness of the relationship available to us. 
So we see prayer, love, and power, and love. It's, it, the crux of this love is, the, is, is referring to the love that God the Father expresses to us in Jesus Christ. Um, in Romans, Paul tells, tells us elsewhere that it's in um, this love that God showed his love for us, that while we were sinners, separated from him in a broken relationship with God, he sent his son Jesus to die for us, to rise from the dead, so that we might have new life with him and be a new creation in him. And it's those that believe in him. Um, in our passage, Paul describes it as those in whom Christ dwells in their hearts through faith, that they are adopted sons and daughters who are loved more immensely and more perfectly than they could ever imagine. And this is the love that Paul dares us to try and grasp in this prayer. Um, it's the love that is available to all who are apart from Christ if they were to receive it in faith. God is constantly inviting all people, inviting us as Christians, inviting those on the outside into deeper and deeper into the depths of his love for them so that we can know and experience the love we already have been given more fully each day. He talks about in Ephesians 1 how the, how the gifts, the spiritual blessings have already been given to us. They are, they are available to us um, if we receive them, if, if, we, if we step deeper into them. And this is what Paul is praying in Ephesians 3 as well. Look at what he says. You may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is for you. And the beautiful irony of this prayer is, of course, Paul prays for something impossible. We'll never gra grasp the length, width, depth, height of the love of Christ. And he prays for us to try, that we would grasp for it, that our good Father would help us to know him just a little bit more. Um, if you've ever seen the Rocky Mountains, and also if you haven't, you're really missing out, you know how majestic and beautiful they are. Um, it's one of Alice and I's favorite place to visit. We were just there a few months ago. And no matter how much time we spend there, um, it's just an obvious fact that we can only experience a small portion of what they have to offer. It's a 3,000-mile mountain range, and um, we've, we've only gobbled up just a small bit of it. And yet, each time we return, we know that there's more depths to plumb. We'll never fully, we'll never fully appreciate and enjoy it, but that doesn't keep us from trying. And the prayer that Paul is praying and the, pr and, the, and the truth that God gives to us is that he gives of him ver his very self to his people, which is a greater gift than anything else in the universe, right? And even though we will never know and fully experience him, he calls into us into a relationship to continually grow towards him more than we maybe were before. But when we think about God's love, I think perhaps the most difficult thing for us um, is appreciating, or at least one of the most difficult things, is appreciating the permanency of God's love, the staying power of God's love for us. And I think um, perhaps the reason why is our main context for love is the context that we have with other people and the relationships and love we have with other people. And um, as you and I both know, um, sometimes we get let down in those relationships. They're far from perfect. And we contrast that with Psalm 73 where the psalmist says, Yet I am always with you, Lord. You hold me by my right hand. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is a strength of my heart and my portion forever. So many of us, maybe every single one of us, have experienced relationships that were supposed to have enduring love at their foundation, and yet that didn't happen. A parent, maybe a friend, a sibling, a spouse, um, that may no longer have the love for you that you hoped wouldn't have faded. 
And then what we do is we impose those experiences on God, usually without even thinking about it. And, um, and they lead us to at least partially not believe that his love will last. And I think acknowledging that tendency and being aware of the doubt inside of you is part of stepping into further the love of God, to knowing um, and experience it in a way that informs and even transforms your inner life. And when we acknowledge that, we can seek experiences of God. We can seek to experience Him and the love, God's love in a way that addresses our fears of abandonment, our doubts about His power, and our limited knowledge of the breadth of his love for us. And so this is what I encourage. When you pray, when you worship, at times, try to examine in yourself what aspects of God's love are harder to experience than others that day. And I encourage you that when that thing comes to the surface, when that experience or truth comes to the surface, don't hunt it down as a problem and just try to squash it right away maybe as you've been trained to do in, in, other, in other past, tra- you know, past uh, instruction in spirituality. But instead, learn, let it teach you about the self that you are today, the you that you are right now, the one that is beautiful and is a messy mixture of your created personality, your embodied experience, your past, your traumas, your joys and your dispositions, your physical limitations, your experiences of love, and your experiences of loss. And then as as you let that experience, um, let you see hazily the parts of you in that moment that have a hard time experiencing God's love. Pray, even without words, pray your emotions to God. A prayer that asks God, your good Father, to move your heart, at least in part, to know and experience more of his love. You can even just pray this. Father, show me a little bit more of your love. Show me a little more of your love. I think this is the kind of prayer that focuses on the inner life. Yes, we petition God for things and for changes in circumstances. But the Christian life is about transformation, which starts and is integral in the inner life. And transformation means starting By definition, starting where you are right here today. Know yourself. Know your background. Know how God has created you. And then that means bringing incremental, slow, and foundational change to craft the new you that the Lord has made you to be and is making you to be. So prayer, love, and then then power. We, We see that Paul is inviting us into lives that are marked by his power. In verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If prayer brings you closer to the love of God, then it's through that relationship that God's power flows to and through you. In this prayer, Paul specifically focuses on the aspect of God's power that is at work with inside, work inside of us that we're focusing on this morning, which is his work in our inner lives. Um, and I have to admit, when I read these magnificent prayers of Paul to, to grasp the height and depth of God's love, it, it can be discouraging to me. 
right? Like, I, I'm such a sinful, broken, easily distracted person that these prayers, these, this reality that Paul seems to be living seems so distant from my experience at times. It seems almost impossible for me. Uh, but that's why Paul ends the prayer with a request uh, for the power of God. And his power at work within us, he's able to do more, immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We all have this image of who we want to be in 10 years, right? Some more crafted than others and what we want to be true of our lives. But even God's power is able to do more measurably than we can ask or think or imagine of ourselves, of others within 10 years, even in our purest motivations. God's power will do, can do, has done more than we can imagine. And it's in God's power here that I think we can approach his love to grasp it in two, in two easy ways, or at least two simple ways. First, we reach for it, right? So you reach for the love of God. You grasp for it. Paul prays for us to reach for it and to seek to fully know and experience the depths and fullness of God. Choose a passage like this one. Choose a psalm. Um, read it over and over again. Let it marinate in your soul. Chew on it. Take time to really think about and feel the depths of, love, of Christ's love for you. Pay attention to yourself, what, what, what memories and emotions it brings up, who in your life it brings you to pray for. And then rejoice in it as well. Part of rejoicing in the Lord is recalling his goodness and love expressed to his people. As we pray and marinate on these passages, look back on your day, back on your week, back in your life, and rejoice in what he has done in you and in other people. Even in this church, we have seen in the last three years lives transformed, people come to Christ, marriages healed. Rejoice in those things. And think of where you have seen those played out in your own life, right? The glorious riches of God played out in your own life. And praise God for it. Share it with others. And also, I would say, be encouraged, too, that the same power at work within you is nothing new. It's the same power that's been at work with Christians throughout all the last 2,000 years in the history of Christianity, and it's the same work that's, in, that's within you. God is not surprised by anything. He's seen it before. And by the way, he created you specifically. So there's no, there's no curveballs here. And finally, as we think about change, I have to confess that in the past I've expressed a rather pessimistic view, maybe to some of you, in jest maybe, but it takes the form of me saying something like, well, people can't really change. Usually this is in response to a character in a book or a movie falling into, into the same patterns, good or bad, uh, throughout the story. You've, you know the characters that I'm, or the type of character that I'm thinking of. Um, or when you hear the story of how someone swears that a job change, a location change, a relationship change will have a lasting impact on their life for the better. And first, I will just say, while well, that expression, people don't really change, is utterly and completely unchristian, and I confess that, I think that what I'm actually trying to express here is that change requires something much deeper um, than a modification of your external circumstances. It's more than just, change does not just come with trimming around the edges, right? Scripture speaks about how our actions and responses to our external circumstances flow from our heart. Other, put, which put it in another way, um, it is the inner life that we were talking about. It is a result of the inner life that we're talking about this morning. I think change is so hard. Real lasting change is so hard. Because it only comes through a transformation of the inner life. So when the Spirit convicts you of sin or the brokenness of yourself and the world is weighing upon you, 
The way that the Holy Spirit brings transformation is not primarily just changing your schedule, changing a few things around, changing a couple of relationships, but it is instead the mechanism for change in the Christian life is transformation of your inner life with Christ that Paul talks about here. It's more like this. It's more like a metamorphosis of a, of a hairy caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly instead of just trimming a few pounds or getting a haircut. The caterpillar becomes something entirely new, entirely different. And in that picture, it's indicative of the transforming power of God that Paul wants us to know about. It's his power that is made available to us for the journey of transformation that is the Christian life. And we have access to that power through prayer. Prayer is, it's a beautiful practice. I remember hearing as a child um, over and over again that prayer is like having a direct telephone line to God. Um, for you kids out there, that's like being able to FaceTime, God, t- FaceTime with Jesus maybe whenever you want, which by the way, I think is a better metaphor anyway, because FaceTime is, is how we experience the embodied presence of another person without them actually being physically with us. And prayer is experiencing the presence of God. It's not just submitting requests to him in writing or leaving him a voicemail or kids sliding into his DMs maybe is, is something that you would understand. The inner life is transformed as we experience and know the person of God in Christ. It's how God takes what everyone sees as a hairy caterpillar, as a crusty chrysalis, and transforms them into a beautiful creation that reflects his love and his power. And Paul prays for us as we wrap up here that we would step into deeper life with God to experience his love and power and to know him, to truly know him and experience him in prayer. He knows, he created us, this is his intention, that the inner life with Christ, it's a priority because it transforms our outer life. And a relationship with God, a personal relationship with him is a foundational element to the Christian life. My prayer for us is that we would step a little bit deeper into life with God and to know the love and the power that belongs to us in Jesus through prayer. So I encourage us then, as we, as we close together, maybe let's just spend some time in prayer together. Um, in the Christian tradition, we close our eyes in prayer uh, much of the time because um, it cuts out the outer the outer distractions of the outer life and help us to focus on the inner life. So I encourage you to close your eyes and to pray with me. Take a moment to relax as we enter into prayer. Um, Your kids are in good hands. Your phone is in your coat under your chair, nothing to distract you. Uh, Your boss can't reach you here. Just breathe. Pay attention to yourself, to your emotions. And hear this truth. God has a never-ending, never-failing, steadfast love for you. He always has and he always will. Pay attention to your response by hearing those words. God has a never-ending, never-failing, steadfast love for you. He always has and he always will. Pay attention to how you feel when you hear those words about his love for you. Is there joy? Is 
there doubt? Is there just numbness? Tell it to the Lord. Pray your emotional response to his, his truth to you with words or, or as Paul says, with, with groanings too deep for words. He knows you intimately. This is the whole point. Let the experience of your inner life drive your prayers. His love is never ending. It's more than you could imagine. It's unconditional. It's unlike anything you've ever experienced. The broken relationships that we enter into are just a hazy shadow, a dirty window into into the true, the right thing, the the actual thing, which is a never-ending relationship with God and his love that never fails. And since you matter to God, your prayers, they also matter in heaven. You're never without hope because prayer is always available. It's that always open line to God and you're never without a prayer. And even if this morning, if you can't find the words to pray, Max Lucado has this pocket prayer for yourself and others that you can pray. It says, Father, you are good. I need help. Heal me and forgive me. They need help. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Father, we pray that you would help us to step incrementally just a little bit more into the life that you have for us in Christ. We ask that you would that you would bring healing to the broken relationships that we have, but we would do so as we step more fully into the inner life you have available to us. Help us to carve out time, to carve out emotional and, and physical and mental space to experience more fully the inner life that you have with us. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.